this, yeah, this ended up in a very southern gothic sort of territory yeah. did this story yeah, it really did which, which is very cool and again what what i love about all of our episodes this season is they're very different in terms of tone and genre and including our our follow-up to this which is well, our most listened to episode of the season earth, earth, earth quake, quake is when I was going to say, Earthworld Quake is also very gothic, but in a, it's not Southern gothic. It's a very different kind of gothic. Very, very different. Um, John, why don't you give us a yeah. little bit about your your absolutely epic, because I, I consider this like your epic for the season. This is fucking cool. I love this it one. It is pretty great. I say that for all of them. Uh, I love everything we've done. Well, thank you for that, first of all. It was it was tough following up Twister, because Twisting, because everybody loved Twister. Um, and I didn't I, I will say Earth Will Quake was not actually the, the first version of that story. It was, I think, the third or fourth. Um, and I realized that I was, I realized that I was doing it wrong. And so it became Earth Will Quake, became a story about two brothers kind of being in the middle of their parents at war. Um, because I tend not, I, I didn't at all, actually, I don't think, write about the actual, the actual events that happened. It was much more about what do the events mean in a larger scale? What does it mean to survive? How would a church burning affect someone of faith versus affecting someone not of faith? And this was all about destruction. And it originally was not about a family at all, but I was like, well, what's more destructive than a family? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that there is nothing that can hurt us more than our families can hurt us. That is the way that I mean that. Um, wow, cheery. I just took us right to the dark place. I took us from Gothic horror fade out to a really dark place. Sorry. Didn't I need to do that. In, no, hey, it's called the cruelest month for a reason, John, and you're so, just living up to the name. There's nothing wrong with that. In but terms of dark, I mean, twisting, twisting, and Earth will quake are very complementary episodes in yeah. that vein, and and I think you you speak to why in in very good terms there. Sorry, I, I really liked with this one. It's so dark up front compared to all the other ones. All the other ones like have this like sort of like, as you do with a lot of film of like, oh, everything was fine in the suburbs until um, this has no reservations for it. And I was like, what? When I was working on it, like this was the headspace that I had to like incorporate to get here because it, it only ramps up from its beginning and its beginning is dark. Was how to make the sound of a ritual at the beginning. Um and so the first thing I did was kill a chicken in the corner. Just 10 seconds. We're like 30 seconds in. And it's just like literally the sound of like a chopping block and then blood spurt. Um, and then somebody lights some torches. And then I, if you listen carefully, uh, when they draw the circle are drawing a pentagram in your ears. Um, and like, it doesn't hit it on every beat, but if you listen for long enough as he passes by, when the, when it checks back in, because it like fades in and out as he walks away, if you listen, it's a, it's a pentagram. Um, because I was like, I, I, we gotta make this shit sketchy. Well, again, it opens with the two brothers casting a spell. Like, they are in the middle of setting up for a ritual of a spell that they're going to cast. They are cutting off a chicken's head. They are, they are infusing uh, magic into things. Like, it, 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 it firmly establishes from like the opening moments of dialogue that it is, ma again, we're in a world of magical realism. It's not grounded in the mundane. Um, and what is fascinating is the reveal because the historical event, well, actually, John, did you describe this? Did I, did I miss that? Did, nope. Did we, we rolled right over. We, we did not, we don't have a description yet. Go John. Actually, we did roll over this. Yes. It takes place. Uh, April 4th, 1906 in San Francisco at the time of the big quake. Um, and um, yeah, it turns out that it was just uh, two teenagers trying desperately to, um, to deal with their parents who uh, hate each other more than they love their children. And it, it has a certain classical inspiration, does it not? 
it does. It does. It was very much, uh, it was very much based on Medea, you know, like what right. there's no, there really is no more destructive family in classic lit. I mean, you could argue Hamlet, but I think the thing that is different, I think the thing that makes Medea more tragic is that it is all done out of love. Medea and Jason, Medea and Jason and the children, it's all done out of love. And I mean, it really is kind of a love story between the two brothers, you know, the same way that Survivors is about the love story yeah. between yeah. Tom and Steven. And then Fire in My Heart is about the love story between Harry and Oliver. This is just a different kind of love story, not an incestuous love story. Let's just be clear. But <laughs> it is about... No, it but is it about is a love about, story. They're, well, they're the only two people that they can count on. Yeah. I mean, that like one of the things that's very stark and, and you know, John, you do a really lovely job of like, it, it is a period piece. And so the language is a little artificially heightened and, and they are, they are very specifically sort of written in a heightened style. But even so, the underlying idea you know, to Matthew's point earlier uh, about how it relates, um, this one not so much about, although, again, I could make the argument of what is a monster, define a mo like like who the monster is or is not in Earthquake, you know, it kind of depends on your perspective to a large degree, but yeah. also to the idea that family family can harm you more than anyone else. The fact that these two young men only have one another, while they do love their father and they do love their mother because of the circumstances, they can't count on either one of them. That is the discovery. That sort of, for me, is the real heart of the discovery is not, is not the, you know, without actually throwing spoilers per se, it's not the information that they uncover, yada, yada, yada. It is the discovery that they cannot count on their parents in, well, in, I think, in a really John, real you, sense, you know. John, you had a really fascinating, because when I think about Survivors and I think about Fire in My Heart and I think about Earth Will Quake, there seemed to be a really interesting exploration of the concept of family and how one relates to their family and, and what a family is and means. Yeah, what defines there family, yeah. A family of friends within a community, the way that you, you explore in Survivors, whether it's the, the idea of the atypical family uh, atypical being serial killers in uh, fire in my heart, and, <laughs> and, then with that. Um, and then here the idea of sort of children relating to parents and the influences of of our parents' issues onto our kids and what it drives them to do. There, I really found like family is sort of a, a really interesting thread that you were you were exploring many different facets of throughout the including season. including in your upcoming stuff. For oh, the yeah. upcoming season. Very much so. Yes. Um, was so, that something consciously that you, you were, that just was sort of on your mind in, at the time you were writing or? Um, I don't think consciously. I, I was adopted. So I tend to look at family slightly differently than I think other people do. Because I think other people have a tendency, um, you know, certainly uh, over the last couple of years, you've, we've seen people talk about um, surrogacy and IVF um, and all of that, which I would never denigrate in any way, shape or form. But I'm sort of fascinated how people look and say, well, they're my own children versus they're adopted children and how people sort of talk about, well, are they your real sibling? And it's a, it's a journey that I have been going on over the last few years. Um, and with Matthew and I have talked about sort of extensively given my, again, my history. Um, but I love talking about, you know, what is, what is family? Why, are, why do, or do we have this one definition of what family is, um, you know? And there were different definitions, you know, when you look at it in the eighties, and family was coming in and learning, not only did is your child dying, but your child's also gay and your child has a spouse who's not really a spouse, but who is a spouse. And then you go into this, the earth will quake and you think, well, you know, yeah, you do anything for your family and for your love, but does that mean you murder them? Um, I'm not sure, unless you're in a Rob Zombie film, I guess, maybe you don't. <laughs> sure. 
Sure. <laughs> sure. In Fire Why in My not? Heart, you murder for them. You well, murder. that's well, yeah. I mean, one of the things you said at the time we were working on it, John, was the question of what does it mean to say, you know, like people say, oh, I would kill for you. And it does, this is like literally saying I would kill for you and meaning I would kill for you. Yeah. Right? Well, we, like, you know, we always have this tendency to say, well, I'll die for you. I'll die for you. Right. Okay. Right. Well, but what if yeah. I don't want you to die? What if I want you to kill someone else? What if, for what, if, what, if, what if you kill somebody for well, me instead? Yeah. And there also comes in, in Earthquake specifically, there's also the, do you, at what point does, can that go from, I would kill for you to, I would kill you for your own sake. You know, there's a certain, there's a certain pathology there that you get into things with like family annihilators, or you get into with fundamentalists, or you get into with, with a certain yeah. type of, of mindset of escalation of that, that quote unquote love, um, you know, and, and that's a, it's an interesting well, question of how far do you take that instinct? Um, and, and you, you really play with head. it over the course of these episodes. You hit it on the head earlier too, when you said, John, you were literally saying like, it's a case of not, not um, of, of the parents who hate each other more than they love their own children, which, which if nothing else, interestingly enough, being, being both a parent and being a divorcee. And while I do not believe, I do not hate my ex, nor does my ex, I believe, hate me. I do understand somewhat of you are angry at your partner and you can go after your partner, but it will, it, it, it will potentially cause sideways harm to your kid. Do you do it anyway because you want that? Or do you think of the, your child's welfare? And of course I'm dealing in a mundane reality. Yours is a much more interesting in that sense fun, but it's still the basic sense of like, you hit it right there, hating someone else more than, than loving someone you need to be taking care of. Yeah. You know? it, I, I mean, obviously supernatural and I, Matthew, I, I don't know if this was your experience with writing, twisting and writing Love in the Time of Hitler, but when you have this sort of the conventions of magic and science fiction and fantasy, it, it allows you to explore things in a, in a very different way than grounding something in reality. But essentially tragedies aren't tragedies because bad things happen. Tragedies are tragedies because actions are undertaken with the purest of intent and the purest of emotion and it's not enough. That's what makes right. a tragedy a tragedy. It's right. not because, right. you know, Romeo and Juliet isn't a tragedy because they die. It's a tragedy because they're in love and and there's nothing more pure than that, but they just can't and, figure and, it and out. They ref and they refuse to, to like, you know, yield to the, uh, to the circumstances that they find themselves in. Yeah, right? well, like, she's also 14 and takes a roofie from a priest. That's a whole Yeah, I was going to say, she's, she's 13, he's 15. They're not like the most logically grounded humans. But. No. Um, well, one, but one thing that is super grounded in this, though, and, and Josh, I want to kick this over to you, is the earthquake. I mean, this is this oh, was an boy, insane yeah. feat of of sound design. I know yeah, this, was, this was the big one. This this is, this was the big one. Yeah, yeah. I think one. I wrote like six or seven apologies to you in this script. <laughs> <laughs> there are apologies within the script. You, it's very hard. Can you sort of talk about because this is this is probably the biggest and most literal interpretation of a natural disaster for the season. How did you go about sort of approaching this and putting this together? So there's a, uh, I'll get to the, the super technical of how this worked in a second, but like, it's kind of through the progression of the whole episode that it works out. Cause my, I think my favorite sound design I've ever done is in the visions that the twins have about oh, yeah. half to two thirds of the way through. That's my favorite. I love the earthquake. The earthquake's cool. Um, but, um, it's the, the visions, especially because you get to hear the earthquake early and not just like, oh, it's a fake rendition of the earthquake. That is the core sounds of the earthquake. There's just more in the real one. And this was the only, it's the only episode in all, all seven that I was able to do in sound design. They call it like a suck boom sort of thing where uh -huh. it's very famous in movies and you hear it all the time, especially in action of 
it's loud, it's loud, it's loud. And then you hear like a, and it gets quiet or less loud. And then it floors you. And the hardest thing of that whole, of this whole thing was not overloading every circuit in my sound system as that earthquake hit. Um, Because there is a sound is treated differently when it impacts like an earthquake, like an impact sound is very hard on speakers and headphones. And like, there are considerations you have to have for your ears and things like that. So like, it's a balance of what I really wanted it to be was really loud. Um, Like that's how you deliver something like Epic on the scale like that. So you just make it really loud. Um, But you can only do that so much because Apple music or Spotify or everybody, Apple podcasts have a ceiling on them for people who do not, uh, know this, your music can only be so loud when you upload it. They won't tell you that it's too loud. They will just turn it down for you. No shit, really? Um, yeah. That's so, and it, and it doesn't just do it for a song. It doesn't say, oh, your whole song is loud. It's like, oh, this one section of your song is too loud. I'll just turn that section down for you. Um, but that can have unwanted effects if you're a control freak about how your effects go. So I have a, you know, a, most sound designers and people like that have like literally like a big graph that'll show you what it'll do like what that limiter will do to things. And so the hard part was balancing the earthquake. I think the coolest thing the earthquake did was in the, when the vision, when it appears, because that's like the pure hearted suck boom, because it's like, and then the aftershock, which is just silence around it. And then a, I will never forget sound designing that. Cause I was like, Holy shit. That's cool. That's cool. Um, where there are very few, like when we did Wonder Woman, like the sound of Diana breaking a harpy's neck was one where I was like, I was listening to Wonder Woman a couple weeks ago, just I wanted to go back and listen to it. And it was one of those, I was like, is that sound as crazy as I remember it being? Because I remember it being like gruesome. Um, it is, turns out, yeah, uh, harpies just as scary as they were the first time. Um, <laughs> but it's the wings it's the wings it's the wings oh my god i i told that story this is a for those who know this joke you'll all the listeners who have heard from a long ways back from this story i told this story to one of my friends and the first thing they said was did you try bed sheets and i went not a sound designer not a post-production person that was just their first thought figured it figured it out yeah and i was like figured it out you whatever anyways (laughs) where were you when i needed you right uh but the i think you know what really makes the earthquake sound cool and it's big thing is the the event theme plays again like the cruelest month event theme comes screaming in on almost the exact same voicing because i mean an orchestra is not super limited in what you can get but if you want something to sound fucking massive uh, throwing every horn and trombone you have, uh, it's just a, a brass extravaganza is the only thing would, that would make that moment that big. And I am thankful that it is our most listened to episode because it has so many tracks and there's so much going on to it. God damn it. You better listen to it. Um, <laughs> it took me so long to make that episode because um, it has so much music in it. It's like the episode's like 31 minutes. It's got like 30 and a half minutes of scoring in it. Like there's like 30 seconds where there's no scoring. There's a lot going on in that. that It's fully sound designed. I made a pentagram out of chalk. Not real chalk, fake chalk. I mean, chalk that I recorded in real life, but then put it into the fake world. Um, But yeah. Uh, it's a great episode. Speaking of great episodes, as uh, we should keep things moving forward, let's let's talk about everybody's uh, favorite villain. Uh, are, are I love in the to love in the time love, of Hitler. Love in the time of Hitler, which, which I learned that in order to achieve everyone's safety, I had to abbreviate to L I T T O H when I send it out. Yes. In the email form or whatever, because no one looks kindly on the word Hitler. No, and it, it never goes well. Uh, it never goes well. No, he's he's um, not even. I mean, he. I guess he is technically in the episode for, for like a minute, barely. You hear him. Yeah, yeah. you hear him. He's way off in the but woods. That's, 
Way so off that's Matthews, Matthews, and uh, let's let Matthew. Yeah, Matthew, explain explain yourself, Matthew. So the birth of Adolf Hitler was in our list of of major events that happened in the major month. tragic events. That major happened. events. Well, no, birth of Shakespeare was on there too. Uh, also, um, death of Shakespeare, and one could true, argue yes. that both are tragic, depending again on one's point of view. Season two, season two. I'm going to tackle both of those, but um. But uh, but this was there were there were two events that I was adamant I wanted to write episodes about, and this was the second one after the assassination of Lincoln was the birth of Hitler, and I was hell bent on writing a romantic comedy around it. Um, and so here's what we have: we have two time travelers from 300 years in the future who are supposed to be going on a mission back to the birth of Hitler to record it and observe, and uh, end up. Uh, trying to prevent Hitler from ever being born. Um, and that's that's sort of the zany goodness that comes about uh, with this. Um, wacky fun. Wacky, wackadoodle sort of thing. But uh, I've only really ever written sci-fi one other time uh, in a place called Strings Attached um, that Kelly is familiar with. And, yes, I am. Uh, and I've been sort of itching to sort of go back into science fiction at some point. And this was a, a tremendous way in. Um, and I think it actually originally came up where in a conversation, uh, a story meeting that John Kelly and myself had, uh, it, was, it was thrown out, well, what if, what if it's time travelers? And I was like, you bet it's gonna be time travelers going back to meet Hitler. You bet your bottom dollar. That's exactly what I'm going to do with this thing. And sure as hell, uh, and the cast, I love the cast on this piece. I thought they really brought it. Um, this was not easy dialogue. No. Uh, this was not no. easy sound design on your part, Josh. Um, it could have been worse, though. You, did, you, didn't hose, you didn't hose me that bad. Just with just being sucked through a temporal cannon. That's all. Yep, the, the temporal cannon. That the only was, one. That's the big one. Temporal cannon actually came off fine too. Like that. that yep, sounded great. Made cool. total sense. Surprisingly, sci-fi sound effects because sci-fi only exists through sound effects. Uh, like sci-fi sound effects only exist in one place. You're not doing realistic stuff. Uh, they're quite easy to do. You can just kind of like do the and you're like, oh, sci-fi. <laughs> wow. <laughs> sci-fi yeah anyways jazz but also, there was there was a very big like we wanted some episode this season to have a slightly lighter tone than the rest and so this was the attempt at, <laughs> at taking a super dark subject i mean the and, banter the, the banter is great it, it is for for the title which i think initially is is concerning with you know when you encounter it, it immediately it's like what hitler what but like the banter is actually a lot of fun. It's shockingly light. Um, it, it's and again, while while the big arc, of course, as you say, Matthew, is about the time travelers trying to prevent Hitler's birth. Of course, it's really a story about what's going on between the two time travelers. Yeah, I mean, the plot the plot is they go back in time, and one thinks he's there to observe, and the other decides they want to prevent Hitler's birth. But the story is really it's about a couple who is being faced with bringing a child into the world. And in the future, um, you are able to determine genetic markers. And essentially, you can see sort of Gattaca style of you could, what you can expect from a person's life before they're even born. And this child genetically is all the makeup to become an absolute genocidal monster like Hitler. Um, and so the question is, you know, on some level, it's a question of sort of wanting to explore of, with that knowledge, would you still go through having that child? And what does that say about you as parents? And, and can you save them from that future? And, and those are really the, the questions that sort of go into this. And that's really what the story is about, for me, at least. Yeah, it, it, it was a lot of fun to record. Um... Uh, especially not only with the dialogue, the fact that because uh, while Hitler does makes a bare appearance, his mom is is the major is character a lot of it, and um, and uh, um, <clears throat> it, it was it was fun doing things like she had to have a German accent, 
but the time travelers don't, even though they are being translated. Uh, I mean, it's it's the it's the standard sort of sci-fi rules of like, uh, you know, it's the can, rule, there's a universal you know? translator or the Tarnas, you know, and yeah. and therefore, but they're hearing them in their own language and making those distinctions of like, okay, but Clara still has to have a a German accent so that we're clear about you know what's going on. Um, well, interesting and, side and note, she's my... also the voice of the computer at the beginning. She is. She was. She was dynamite. Oh my god! So good. Like great, AI. great as Clara Hitler. But can we just take a second for the uh, opening? The it was, and especially once you throw it through, like you know, the auto tune computer processor, just like yeah, like it's it, it, like. But she had that like in her pocket. Like we asked she her did. to do it. We asked her to do it like at the initial read and she was delighted because she actually said she liked doing those voices and like she came out with it. I'm like, well, you won't even need to auto tune that much. Like that's I'm surprised she's not like an air, like an airplane, like an airport announcement voice. She's not a voice on the subway. (laughs) I ain't kidding. Like it's, it's, it's eerie. It's really great. Um, Between Tara, but as well as Mateo and Heather as our time travel. Yeah, they were all like really a lot of fun to play with. Well, Sorry, it was, it was an amazing it was an amazing table read because they instantly got the pacing of the dialogue. Like we didn't, you didn't really have to give them a whole lot of direction, Kel, for that. Like they had it. No, like they, they really, they, yeah. From the yeah. word go, they really, and that's a kudos to you and the casting uh, and and what you saw in them and what you were going for. Uh, but but I also like loving the time of Hitler because it starts very in media res. Like there is there is literally a countdown. There is tension. There is a built in like shit's going down from the second you you go on. It doesn't really ease into the story the way a lot of the other episodes. <laughs> no. I'm blasting techno does. music from the beginning. From yeah, the beginning. No, it's high stakes um, from the get-go. Yes. Yeah, which is which was something I consciously wanted to do differently from a lot of the other episodes. That sort of like with twisting, especially, you, it lures you into you know mundane, into the horror. Um, and this one is like, nope, we are we are high stakes. The world. It sounds like the world's about to blow up from the very first line of dialogue and the first sound that you hear, which I thought was a very fun uh, approach to it. But I feel like we should move on to our final yes, piece because our, we are we are running to the end of our session here. And the bonus episode, because we'd only agreed to do six, uh, but we but then we, we over enough. We we had enough time and resources to go ahead and make that extra seventh, and so we came out with common area, which was which was again was a Matthew Klein piece. Uh, Matthew, would you like to tee that up for us? Sure. So Common Area uh, follows uh, is the story of three college roommates um, at Kent State, and they basically um, it is the story of basically a a woman who believes her roommate may be capable and on the brink of becoming a school shooter and sort of trying to prove or disprove her suspicions and the further she goes down that path, the more paranoid she becomes and sort of the ramifications. And then uh, two of the roommates find themselves in the midst of the actual shooting. And they're wondering if it is the roommate, if it's not the roommate. And there's a crazy confrontation at the climax there um, where you find out exactly what's going on. Um, and uh, this was a very difficult episode to write in, in many ways. This was probably the hardest of of all of them for for me this season um because uh, it's point, it's very because this is i would argue next to maybe next to survivors and george azaro this is probably the most real life um you know story that we had told this is probably the most grounded right um, i mean in the running order if this were to be in the actual running order i would have put this second yep i agree totally agree with that uh, just a point of just a point of clarity. Uh, they are not uh, just because Matthew, uh, you you said oh, Virginia Kent State. Tech. Sorry, they're it's Virginia, Virginia Tech. Tech. Kent State. Yeah, completely um, different shooting. That's the only very different I, shooting. I, yeah, 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 yeah. This is the um, Virginia Tech shooting. Um, Virginia Tech. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it is as close. It actually, I will say that Common Area feels more like a documentary than anything else we did. Um, yeah. 
like it is it is literally grounded there is no there is no flight of fancy on it we're we're back out of the realm of of um magical realism you know where there's vampires where there's magic etc we're back into the mundane world um and beyond that even in the earlier pieces um with with uh with with george azarote um there's a lot of distance you know there's there's over a hundred years time um and with even with something that was recent like fire in my, fire in my heart with notre dame as, as i recall no one was harmed in the fire at notre dame right right the building caught fire but no no one was killed or there were no serious injuries whereas of course the virginia tech shooting is recent and raw like there are people potentially that could be listening to this right now that were students at Virginia Tech at the time of that shooting. Right. So yeah. it is a very real grounded now moment. And again, two survivors, there are people that certainly survived the eighties that are alive now that could speak to it. But again, there's a little bit of distance and perspective that, that this one didn't have. So this one out of all the pieces that we did this year feels the most ironically uh, and I'm air quoting it dangerous Current? in the sense of like, yeah. it, it was very charged. It was very realistically grounded. Um, and, and I thought, well, first of all, I think it's a lovely piece, Matthew. I think you wrote a, a lovely piece and I thought Josh, you did a really lovely job with, um, with, you know, things like having to put the sound of an active shooter in the background that, I mean, you know, like that's a difficult not, thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But what was interesting is working with the actors and um, how surprising, because of the relative ages of the actors, um, and this was, I think, a point that John made earlier when we were talking about it, is that he and I grew up in, uh, without getting into specifics, a different time where what we learned going to school were fire drills which I still, it stopped, drop, and roll, although I, I, I still go with the get under your desk and stay there, which would not be a good idea for a fire, but... Under but kindling? Still, sure. Yeah, and I yeah. just say, although, although I will say that if you ever look back at the old uh, atomic bomb ones, that oh, is those exactly are what they told them to great, do, get under yeah. your desk. Like, because that'll help. That, that'll stop it. But, um, but we grew up in a time where, like, a fire drill was like the most exciting drill that we would have to go through. And now there's a whole generation of people who have gone to school unironically having to do active shooter drills because it is a, it is a distinct possibility. And so there's a, there's a rawness to it, I guess, is what I'm getting at uh, on this particular episode more than any of the others that, that pops. And I'm just curious for the three of you, how did that strike you in comparison to the other six? For me, this episode was incredibly difficult in about a thousand different ways. Um, I would say this was probably the most challenging episode to make out of all seven, not just from the emotional thing, because I am of the generation that you spoke of. Um, there's difficulty with that, which is, sure, uh, I, I can't not acknowledge. But part of it is, it is designed, it's really hard to make media that is not a documentary, but not a drama or a thriller. Um, we really like to exist within genres. Like we don't really genre bend or make new genres or exist in that like liminal space between. Like I think this does. Um, it's a dramatic piece, but it is not a thriller i guess is the way i would put it but there are it's drama i think you're right it's, right it's a true drama and yeah. but the problem that comes with it the thing that i really had to grapple with in terms of sound design and scoring and dialogue editing actually is you do not want to throw it in it's very easy to go from drama to thriller when there's action involved quote unquote action mm -hmm. um it's so easy like in the a lot of this, the drama was super easy to make. Like, you know, the first couple of scenes, straightforward. Um, most of the time, the music was a very tricky thing, but I'll come, I'll circle back to that in a second. In terms of 
sound design, the problem was like in the active shooter scene, how do you not turn that into like, uh, to quote my, my previous uh, appearance on the comic corner, some John Wick bullshit. Um, how do you, how do you portray the gravity of this while still having an action, quote unquote, action, active scenario happening? Um, and so that was like the really, really, really difficult part for me is there's a lot of different cuts because especially with the shooter scene is silent, there's no music. And the goal was to score the whole thing except for that scene. Um, for that um for that moment and yeah i think and like the scoring throughout the whole thing i basically my mentality was like how do i be as respectful as possible to mm -hmm. this moment where like with an with an open wound like i think i was thinking when kelly said earlier like the thing about like the aids epidemic is the epidemic portion of the aids crisis is over like it is still a huge problem within the world. Like the fact that that disease even exists is a problem, but we're in like a mass shooter epidemic in America. Like that's where we're at. We're just in the thick of it. Um, and so being respectful to that situation is what I tried to do my absolute best at. And it was very difficult with this, just in the way that like, you know, it kind of, it, it's so easy. Like I spent like a day doing that active shooter scene and you just instantly hear it and you'd be like, Nope, sounds like a thriller. There's too much. Like you want tension. You want there to be like a lump in your throat from like, Oh my God, what's happening. But you don't want it to be like, Oh, I could easily put like some chunking rock music in the back. And you're like, Oh yeah, this is like the halo soundtrack. Like, do you Rock see me like a hurricane? Yeah. That's do you see bad. how yeah. bad that is? Like, and it's <laughs> like, if you listen to it, you can just very quickly see how you can do that. It is sure. an open format for that. And so having to like the ability to not do that was the biggest challenge I have like faced in sound design ever of like, I wanted a heart, like there's a heartbeat in the back of mm -hmm. the shooter scene. That's it other than like the roomy tone stuff to put you into the space. I actually really enjoyed that. And like, yeah, the, the I thought heartbeat. that was the only thing it would ground you in the moment. Yep. But it's at the right speed. It's not at a speed that is like hyperbolic. It's not super slow or super fast. It is just like grounding. And I think that was the only thing I was willing to take from the thriller genre in terms of sound design that would work really well. Cause that's a very common thing. It felt like with this episode all the way across the board from the writing to how we handled it in story group to the actors and, and for you, Josh, as well, it sounds like there was a certain level of care and respect and awareness for this subject matter that, and I think because it feels so current to the epidemic of gun violence and school violence that you see that we wanted to really approach this with. And I, I think like the entire episode for me hinges on that final scene. Right. Um, in, in there. And that's, that's all on, on Kel, you and the actors, yeah. you know, getting that thing nailed. Um, but even, even in, and this is, this is the one, if you only listen to one pick apart episode for the entire season, listeners, I, I'm very proud of that pick apart for, for common area. I thought all the actors in the UK, I thought it was a, it's a phenomenal discussion um, and I would listen to it, but you hear about how, to your point, Kel, the actors are growing up and, and I'm just of that generation, you know, where, where this sort of gun violence started and we're still in and just right. what, how, how personal it felt to so many involved uh, with that. And I, and, and that's to its, and I think it's a very effective listen. And I'm, I'm incredibly proud of that episode that we as a group said, this is very delicate. We have to take care of it, but it's still a story worth telling because it's a story that we're still in currently. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Forgive me, gentlemen. Uh, I know that uh, I, I know that I, I said, but I said 530, but I have to jump out a little early. So uh, please, please continue this to its natural conclusion, but it is, 
It has been uh, it has been a great deal of fun uh, working on this with you guys for the last year. Um, it, it has it 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 has meant a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm really proud of the work that we have all done together. And uh, I was going to make it my last question, but I will just throw this out that I actually think we did a reasonably good job of demonstrating why April is in fact the coolest month over the past year. In just seven stories, I think we mounted a, a reasonably strong case. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so don't let me cut the conversation short, please. I have to hop out, but um, have, have, if I don't speak to the three of you or the rest of the world, have a lovely end of 2021. May 2022 be everything that 2020 was in fact not. So, <laughs> yes, I know I'm skipping over 21. 21 just feels like a place. Nobody remembers 21 anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody just remembers um, that. So, all right. See you guys. Um, so my my final thing, unless we would like to talk more about common area. Um, oh, no, I, I think we're good. I think we've, we've sort of put a a nice old bow on that one let's let's hit our our final show the comic corner john's comic corner in fact yes i don't know that i've ever referred to it that way you've never you always call it the comic corner and i find that kind of endearing I, you well, know, it's, it's why all of our advertising calls it the comics corner because you never refer to it as but the episode comic. title is always john's comic corner but exactly <laughs> um because i feel like it's both matthew and i's corner I, get, I guess we get to share the corner like two 20. corners, almost a root. I take anyways. I take the night shift. I take the twelve to two a.m. You're the two a.m. to five a.m. Yeah. Okay. Um, but John, you've had a hell of an eventful year in terms of guests and things and people and topics and stories and stuff. We have had some lovely. We've we've actually had some really good stuff. Um, and I'm I'm very very proud of the fact that we've had such a great variety of people on we've had people who are huge comic book nerds and then we've had people who are not and i'm glad that it has not all um uh i i think actually we've recommended some really really great books which i'm very proud of and i'm very happy about um and almost everybody i think probably who would you say guys mateo or Elizabeth is probably the least comic read there. Um, I think it would have been Mateo. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. And we recommended two books for him that he said he was going to continue. So actually, I think I'll I'll corner him the next time he's he's at D and I'll say, "Have you been?" Continuing? You're gonna you're gonna corner him about the comics corner. Is that what oh, you're I never Ooh. even thought of that. Ooh, yeah. can can you now? Can you say it in like your best WWE voice? Uh, not Matthew, John. Uh, when they when we started, you've been cornered. You've been cornered now. I <laughs> let me say, you've been cornered now. I'm try, I have to. I have to come up with a, a good grab. Uh, I'm now going to cut so that when you when you say it and we really get it, I'm going to cut the promo like a wwe commercial is like well yes. your ticket will buy you the whole seat but you'll only need the edge <laughs> uh, um <laughs> i'll see what i can do i can't guarantee anything i'm new <laughs> to the world of i'm new to the world of wrestling um matthew do you have a particular favorite episode of the comics corner i mean they're all sort of my favorites because they're all my babies but you know, I I think that I, I actually really like the Historia, the Wonder Woman Historia that we did recently. I mm -hmm. thought that was a great discussion. I thought we had a really lovely um, gathering of different viewpoints and what people were bringing to it. Um, also, the only time we've ever discussed a single issue. It was. It was. I mean, <laughs> single issue. It's an oversize. Like it's a it's a it's, it's a big it's still a, issue. It's still a single issue. It's it's a part of a story versus an actual it's, completed okay. run. Matthew, yeah. we're not on, we're not on issue. the corner. Save it. It's, save it's it. okay. It's okay to say that I'm right about something. Nothing bad will happen. <laughs> Anyways, on this episode of John's Comic Corner, you didn't know that there was going to be another forty minute special after this, but welcome. Um. <laughs> you know, I, I thought his story was really great. Um, I actually thought the um, the. Catwoman uh, two-parter you and I did. I, I thought we had some some really nice discussions there. Um, and I thought Astro City was was a great discussion with you and I and Jeremiah. Those were, were some of my favorites this year. Yeah, 
I would agree with that. I love have I loved having um, I loved having uh, Nick on and discussing Dash by Dave Ebersole. Um, it's a book that's near and dear to my heart. Um, of course, anytime we get to discuss Wonder Woman, um, and of course, uh, anytime we get to have Andrea and Josh or Andrea or Josh on is always a special treat for me. Always. Oh shucks. <laughs> um, um i always love it because i know you're going to say exactly what you exactly what's on your mind about it me yes yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean the last episode proved that uh great, great promo clip though great promo clip um, great promo. but um so i'm gonna hit us with our with our wrap-up moment um for the two of you guys is there any last thoughts you have the season as a whole the things we've done, the things we haven't done, anything you're looking forward to in the coming year with what we are able to do. What do you, what's on your guys' mind? Keep it broad. Uh, for me, it's, you know, it's so much about the journey than the destination. And I, I'm really excited as collaborators having, you know, now that we have seven episodes under our belts of, of the quote unquote main content um, you know, how are we going to continue to, how do we explore, you know, how do we build off of the foundation that we've created for ourselves now, you know, seasons two, are they bigger, better, faster, stronger? Is it going to be, are we, do we get to play with new genres that we haven't before? Do we get to sort of, you know, explore different corners of the world and types of storytelling that we've touched on, um, you know, and, and what that will be. Uh, and as far as the the other sort of like the, the comics corner and Heidi and Nora, I think for comics corner, I'm really excited at the, the type of guests that we might be able to get on this year. I'm excited for the lesser known reads that we we're going to get to explore and, and sort of bring attention to for what could be a lot of people's very first time. Um, and so those, those are some of the things I'm really excited, excited for. And, and we're going to have aliens. I'm going to make sure there are aliens in season two that I'm just calling the shot right now. How the fuck am I going to do that? Anyways, John. Um, I, it, as Matthew said, I am looking forward to the process of this. I love working with, with each and every one of you. I love the energy and the enthusiasm and the, the um, for lack of a better phrasing, the tenderness that you guys bring everything. Um, and I am, as always, uh, I am... Uh, Matthew, uh, I sort of haven't talked to him about the things that I'd like to do this year, but I'm, if we get to a second season, which hopefully we will, um, but I am very much looking forward to telling some stories that are unapologetically from a queer perspective, um, even more so than this year. Get ready for some anger. It's time to, it's time to be, it's time to be a little angry. And How the fuck I'm, am I going to do that? that. Anyways. Um, <laughs> what about you, Josh? Um, I have loved all of the challenges that you guys have presented me over the past year. I, I think of this as it takes about seven, eight months to make this season, like to make a season in total, it takes seven or eight months Get without excluding the comic corner and Heidi and Nora, that's separate. Um, but main content takes, you know, give or take. Um, and it is seven months of absolute joy in the challenge of it, because it's just an uphill climb of every time I think I know what I'm doing with something, you'll create a split, a split scene. Like you got to flip between two rooms or like, how do you deal with like only having room tone or like laugh tracks or like, there's always some sort of, every episode has its own challenges and I would be a fool to think that the next season would not be even more challenges, if you know what I mean. And so I am looking forward to all of that and just getting to make more cool shit. I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm not privy to the earliest stages of what the season will look like. Um, I get it in plenty of time, but like right now I'm just like, in a state of bliss without knowing what my challenges will be. Um, <laughs> well, we'll cure you of that pretty soon. Don't I you know. Worry. Like, come like come, like February, it's going to be game over. But, like, look, 
right now, bliss. Anyways, uh, I'm also looking forward to the day that Heidi and Nora finally get a topic. Damn um, right. I need to I need to get a bottle of champagne ready to be sent to them at any given moment now. Um, but um, total wine. That's I just what we have sorry. To do. I just I like I zoned out for a second, and I just uh, listeners, you can enjoy this moment, and then I'm going to deliver our outro of I envisioned the sound effect that I'm going to make of me. You you heard it here first of a buzzer when they get it right. And then the sound of me running over and like grabbing it up in case of emergency break camp, break the glass and break the glass. And it's a bottle of champagne. Um, <laughs> It'll be for, the equivalent of like our golden buzzer on America's yeah, got talent, Exactly. Right? Like that's the, that's what we've got to um, do. Because they're going to do it. I, I have full faith it. in them. It's going to happen. But 2022 will be their year for sure. I'm also, I'm really looking forward to the 25th episode of the comics corner. Um, how that's going to shake out. I am stoked. I love all of our guests. So having any number of them back is fantastic. Um, and yeah, so uh, I'll give us a little wrap up. If, uh, if you've made it this far, holy shit, well done to you. I mean, this is part two, but like, well done. Um, go back and listen to our stuff. Go back and listen to the content that we've talked about. You know more about it now. It'd be really neat. Also go listen to Heidi and Nora don't know nerd things. They don't know them right now, but one day they will. Um, let's see. What else? The Comic Corner. Look, there are so many great books out there. Go read them. Um, look forward to our Kickstarter campaign for season two. Help us out. Get a, get another season so you get more of this nonsense. I'm sure there will be other things thrown in the middle between now and then that I don't even know about. Um, go listen to our content. Go like our posts on social media. You can find us on all social media at the cruelest month underscore podcast because somebody took the cruelest month. How dare you? Um, and you can, if you, if you want to help us out on Patreon, we are at patreon.com forward slash the superhero podcast. Uh, on behalf of all of us, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you guys in the new year. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Happy new year.